Faith Forged Fathers is a podcast focused on navigating fatherhood and growing what God has called us to be as fathers. My name is Matthew Green. I'm a father of two young sons, and the mission of this podcast is to provide a wide array of experiences, perspectives through interviewing guests from all stages of fatherhood. My hope is that we'll all learn together, gain encouragement and wisdom along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Faith Forge Fathers. Today I have a really special guest. Uh, he's a new friend that I've met even just in the last couple months uh, and really have grown really close with and thought he'd be an absolutely incredible guest to bring on. I uh, respect him tremendously. I think he's going to be a wealth of wisdom. Uh, his name's William Harrison. He's a husband. He's a father. Uh, he's actually in my small group, which is where I've gotten to know him. Uh, really have enjoyed it. Now, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Uh, I don't put a microphone in front of my face very much, so this is a, this is a treat to be here in your your man cave of a, of a recording room here. As you mentioned earlier, the quilted uh, the quilted tablecloth adds table a really cloth. manly touch to this. I'm glad there's yeah. no no video, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I just kind of want to kick us off. I usually like to start uh, kind of just sharing kind of what the what your path uh, to faith and fatherhood looks like, just so people can get to know you a little bit better. Well, my path of faith was so I was I was born Methodist, right? And so in that uh, in that denomination, or at least the way I was told, is you know you're raised that you were saved at birth, put the holy water mm-hmm. on you, and you know the decision was made for you. You're good. And so you know we were a Easter Christmas church family. For a long time, and it wasn't really until I don't know, we'll say my sophomore year of high school, that we I started go, not going to church but going to a Wednesday night youth group regularly with a friend of mine, and I, I really came to enjoy it. And that's probably when I started to realize that okay, there's there's more to this than just getting some holy water dropped on you as a baby like this is a relational thing that this Jesus is is, is real hmm. so and so were those Wednesday nights that wasn't at a Methodist church that was like no a, that was at Grace Bible Church in Nacogdoches Texas oh very cool and uh, I guess they just so happened to be non-denominational but they were just a place that I'd kind of consider CBC the same way just real open arms and come as you are and uh, they're really very, very kind to this kid. So that really felt like home. And then, uh, I guess the summer between my junior and senior year is when I was baptized by my youth pastor and Danny Combs. And that's when I would say I was saved. That's that's when I say I became a Christian and really took that leap of faith and said, Jesus, you know, you're my savior and I'm going to do my best to follow you. Hmm. Um, Can I ask kind of a personal question? Yeah, sure. So I was baptized as a baby. And when I went and got baptized as a 20 something year old, you know, I got the, well, you've already, we've already done that. Like you're already like, did you get any of that from your family? Yeah. My mom was like, what? Why'd you do that? And I was like, well, in my, in my opinion, that was the second time was a lot more meaningful. Mm. And um, also at, at the time, my parents had just 
gotten divorced or going through divorce that summer. And so I was unfortunately looking for, for things to say that were not kind to my mother at the times. I was mad, you know, how self-absorbed you are at 17, 18 years old. You think everything's about you. In reality, it, it wasn't at all. So anyways, yeah, that was <laughs> actually kind of reveled in, in telling her that that was a joke and now I was really saved. Um, but no, Grace, Grace Bible is a really special place for a couple of reasons. One is that, and two, so, you know, I, I went to the University of Nebraska and graduated from there, but my freshman year I went to Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches where I grew up, and so that's where me and Lana met. Okay. And anyways, uh, she ended up going to Grace Bible as well, became a youth intern there for my youth pastor. And so um, she began creating these deep relationships with all these people that I grew up with around that church. And my, you know, my dad was and stepmom and grandmother were all going regularly at that time and serving. And so uh, we actually got to be married by my youth pastor because um, he got to me as a kid and obviously Lana worked for him while she was in college. So we both had this, actually both had a real relationship with the guy who married us, which I go to a lot of weddings and it's like, I, I know they talk probably twice for yeah, 15 the, the minutes. The one meeting at a coffee shop, like this guy actually knows you guys. Yeah. He, uh, he knew us and <laughs> he's a crier. He cried the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's my path to faith, uh, was really that, that youth group. And that's one of the reasons I like CBC so much for our kids is that you can tell when you walk through the door, they really value, um, developing the faith of, of the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that it like showed you that our faith is more of a relationship. Kind of what were some of the things that made that stand out to you? You know, I don't know if you call this, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit coming upon you, but things like things like worship worship began to make sense in a way. Like it wasn't just standing there singing a song mm-hmm. anymore there was some uh there was now like it it invoked feelings within me uh, and it wasn't just because it was like a rock show of a presentation and I began to feel you know convicted about things like when I knew it was wrong mm. also ironically when when my parents split up just the <laughs> the anger and sadness that I felt in that moment for for a different reason also began to change in my heart that that this is a real relationship and you do have a you know emotions with it and I wasn't happy at that time but then he you know but I had the opportunity to have him lead me out of that mm. too and, and feel the joy and happiness of that so I would say when it just when it became more than words on a page and dogma when it became something that my emotions were tied to I mean and that's a pretty pretty challenging season for a kid especially at that point to be having to navigate that and it it probably really like drove home like to be going through that tough of a season but to still feel some of that pain kind of subsiding as you're developing this other relationship did that kind of reinforce it yeah I think so I think so I talk about my my dad a lot um I guess before and after he's passed but 
you know, through going through that for him is what really brought him to his faith. You know, when, when you, when that happens in your life, I imagine as a man, there, there's a couple different choices you can make about how you want your life to be. And, uh, you know, he took that to dive headfirst into the arms of Jesus and just never looked back. He was, he was a great, he was a great father growing up, but I will say, you know, our relationship from age 18 to 32 was much different in the context of, of faith and how we talk to each other than it was from, you know, birth to 18. Mm-hmm. So seeing him respond by like digging into his faith, especially at that, that age, is that something in your teens that you noticed or is that something more like as you got a little bit further down the journey that you're like, wow, like, like you looked back and noticed how your dad kind of had responded. You know, what's funny is I notice it now that he's gone all the little things and big things that he was doing to really try and and hone that in and make it make it real in his life and you know he he doesn't have a tombstone because he's cremated but he's got a testimony hmm. which is a lot more valuable and uh, I'll give you I guess I'll give you an example we always grew up fishing right my dad's a real social guy so you know any any friend little friends I had they would be more than welcome to go on the boat with us or you know their dad could come to or make a trip out of it that type of thing we're always doing that and i don't know when you're on the boat you're eating bad food and drinking soda and saying bad words and catching fish having a good old time as a kid but which was fine that was great for what i needed then but as an adult the way he took his passion from which was fishing from that to a place where he ministered to people in the last 14 years. He essentially said, you know, here's the thing I love most, God, now let me find a way to use that for you. He didn't try to just keep that Mm -hmm. to himself, kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just watching watching things like that and just how how much calmer he got. My dad, he was, I don't know if you'd call him quick to anger, but he didn't want to make him mad as a kid, obviously. But just how, especially these last five, six, seven years, just the amount of calmness and poise and just grace he had about everything that he walked into. So are you, I guess as you're noticing yourself reflecting more back on on that, are you like trying to find those ways to kind of layer them into like fatherhood now? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I... Like I said before we started taping, I mean, I, I could tell you a lot more about what I don't know than what I know about parenting. I mean, I have, you know, two boys, four and seven, and, well, or next month they'll be four and seven. You know, it's just really a challenge. I, the biggest thing my dad ever gave to me was the confidence that no matter what I did, no matter what happened, that I could always turn around and get a hug, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. It didn't mean he liked what I did darn sure asked me after a mistake hey did you did you learn something from mm. this yeah <laughs> or is this going to be a problem yeah what, what was going through your mind when you yeah and you know and he also just gave me the benefit of the doubt and moments like that to know when I was you know really contrite and like oh man I just I just messed up here it's not be something I'm going to do again so you don't have to harp on me about it um or when I needed needed a push um, so I, that's what I try to do with the boys. I, I don't, I don't want to be someone who is 
just seen as this voice that is constantly on them mm-hmm. all the time. Um, at the same time, I want to, you know, like a mother mother hen, I want to push them in the right direction all the time. But I don't I don't want to be a helicopter. I don't want to be I don't want them to tune me out. I guess is, yeah. is I think I think as a parent you can get tuned out. I think that was you know so my my mom she was doing the best she knew how and she was a great mom is a great mom but I think it, at points in life I tuned her out just because it was just so constant you need to like get better at this you. better at this mm-hmm. yeah with her it was always grades man I was a I was a you know a B student occasional A occasional C that just wanted to hunt fish play sports and just kind of get through this school thing mm-hmm. you know and she was a valedictorian of a really big high school in Houston and oh man was an educator and and wanted wanted me to be at that that same level. That just wasn't my path. So that's okay. It's okay to want that for your kids. I just I want to be someone they can talk to. I've always been able to talk to my dad and not worry about. Okay, if I tell him what's really on my mind right now, Mount Vesuvius is going to erupt. Mm-hmm. Like he might not like it, but he was always able to respond in such a way that I still felt comfortable. Yeah, I think that that ultimately is what builds trust with your kids, right? They they know that. Like the first couple times they come to you to share maybe something they've done wrong, um, they're probably trying to gauge like what's dad's response, especially if it's sure. maybe something not very big, right? Like is dad gonna blow up over something trivial? Um, and if you do, they're like, well, I'm not going back for, I'm not, like, why would I bring him the, the big stuff if he's gonna like? That's a struggle of mine because I'm kind of a quick to anger, maybe a hold the line like all the time, to my fault at times and so I struggle with the the gentleness I need to learn gentleness from Erica because she is she has the gentleness with the firmness and sometimes I'm just all firmness um so it's, it's a tough line to walk it is a tough line to walk so I don't obviously no one wants to be a you know a pushover or have these kids run around out of control you know at the same time I I think it's healthy for them to feel like they have some freedom of expression that they have some agency mm-hmm. over themselves, you know, from a young age. You know, and that, that's one of the reasons in, in our parenting, and, and we've had to sharpen this up a few times even this year, is, you know, we're, we're probably a little more lean, lenient with some of the content they consume and some of the things we let them do with, with different media, whether it be, you know, the oldest likes playing his little Nintendo Switch or, you know, they they all watch their little shows and everything, and I've just tried to have this mindset that I'm I'm better off if I can learn to have conversations about him with him about what he sees and what it is, than just trying to shut him off from anything yeah. remotely questionable mm-hmm. forever. Oh, that's interesting. I just I just remember the craziest kids I knew in college were the most sheltered. Yeah, they just like break free. They just went nuts. I mean, they never had a sip out of a beer before. By golly, they liked it now. Mm. And <laughs> that was another thing Dad did. If you had, if you were curious about beer, you could take a sip because he knew you were just gonna spit it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and honestly, I think that was that was that saved me a lot of times because I was like, "What do you guys want to go do that Why for?" Why would you drink? This stuff like, my dad terrible. even did that with like with his black coffee. Yeah. And he's just like, "Oh, you really want some of this?" And he's like, "Oh, how do you guys sit out here and enjoy this?" And he's like, "Yeah, exactly. Go drink some water." Yeah, that's right. No, he definitely um, 
definitely the type that you know if if you're really curious about touching the stove, he he'd let you touch it if you really wanted to. And then you wouldn't touch it anymore. I'm not like that though. I don't want them to learn that way. Mm. I I, sh- I think sometimes I I should more. I should let them fall down a little bit. But I from that standpoint, I can be very cautious with them. Yeah. I feel like growing up, I was always really good at um, learning from other people's mistakes. Um, Boy, that's a skill, bro. But almost to a fault where, like, it almost made me a really risk-averse adult because there was not a whole lot of things that I failed at that I needed to overcome necessarily because, like, I was able to see, like, oh, maybe my sister did something that clearly just, like, set my parents off. Like, don't do that or whatever it may be. And so like, I know that that's a, it's like when a strength becomes your weakness sometimes sure. where like I can, but, and now I'm like trying to, I do that a lot of times the right way where I'm like, Oh no, like I know the result of you doing that. Let me like try to convey that to you. And he's probably just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, trust me. And in, in five years, you like, you'll look back and be like, now I know my dad said that it's like, or do I just like let him fall down and learn maybe not literally but like i guess maybe even sometimes literally but well, it just depends on what you can handle too because like right now if our oldest has a, a water bottle he's going to be chewing on the cap without fail you're going to have to go rip that cap out of his mouth he wants to chew on that cap he likes to chew on stuff he likes to have something something in his mouth and it's one of those things like i, I don't want him to learn that one i don't want to go through the choking i don't want that to mm. be learned um <laughs> He can fall off a, a rock he's climbing on or something. I can handle that, but no choking. Cho- I don't want to do Heimlich. I yeah, I've, know, so. I've had to go through the Heimlich maneuver one time because I had a Lego in my mouth oh, and wow. I was playing I, I, for some reason. I was playing hide and seek with my friends with a Lego in my mouth, and like I jumped in the hiding place and choked on it, and like popped out and had to find my mom. And my mom had to like literally try to get the Lego out of my. Airway, oh it was super, super terrifying. So, yeah, it's just something. I don't know why I'm so much harder on Reed than I am Rhett in general. I mean, you know, Reed and forgot so and Reed's your seven. Yeah, Reed's okay. seven, Rhett's four. So you know, Reed will make a mess somewhere and it'll annoy me. But then Rhett will like have his trucks all over the house or something. It just makes me smile. Like it's, it's totally unfair. Cause you know, Reed's the one, the oldest one, they're doing something new every single day, brand new. Yeah. You know, no one in our family is, has done the second to last day of kindergarten before, you know, he's, and I, in my mind, I put all these expectations on him cause he's the oldest. And, but in reality, I should, I should have, I should probably lower him cause he's, He's having to meet all this brand new. Younger brother has the benefit. They just, that's why Rhett's not scared of anything or anybody is because he just watches the older kids do all these things. He's like, oh, you're, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know to be apprehensive about Mm. anything. That's interesting. Do you think it's like, because I'm in the same way with probably expectations and stuff. Do you think it's like some like firstborn generation? You are, you are the one passing the, probably the, like yeah. some like raising Simba up over. The, yeah. Like some over like pride rock. Yeah. Like the green, like for me, it was like, it sounds silly, but so my middle name is, is Frederick and every first 
male of the new generation gets Frederick as their middle name. So it's my dad, my grandpa, all the way up. And for me, I was like, I've now passed it to you. It is yours to carry on. Like, you know, and you know, not that that is, is in the expe- any expectations, but like, in a sense, like, he was my firstborn. He's my a son who's passing the family name down through the generations kind of thing. And I don't know if that, like... Did you feel relief when you knew you guys were going to have a boy first? 100%. Dude, I did too. I was so happy. Shamelessly. Like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> like, I, I felt a lot of weight. Because like, my grandma has our family tree back to like the big like the Quakers. I think we were Quakers um, back in the... I that explains know, a lot. I don't actually even know what that entails. <laughs> I, um, I just I remember hearing that. Um, so it goes back a long ways. And so like, if you're from I, Pennsylvania, you got any beet farmers in your family around the Scranton area? Scranton, I don't, I don't know. My, my. I don't know if 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 you're related to any Shroots. Shroots, and I yeah. never. I know my Shroot Farms. Mm-mm. I know my dad worked at a nursery for a long time, but like, they went. Uh, do you know where like? C- How did you not get that reference? TV? Have you not watched The Office? Never. I've never seen a single episode of The Office. Oh my god. Okay, we're done. We're done <laughs> <It's just laughs> that my my. So it's almost so. so this is the obnoxiousness of me. Um, sometimes I do things with some of my buddies just to be like stubborn and spiteful. Um, and, and so you never, you were that guy. Yeah. I was that way with uh, a Christmas story. I hadn't, I didn't see a Christmas story until Eric and I started dating and to my two best friends every single year would be like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I would just resist for just for the sake of just being obnoxious. And I'm kind of doing, I, I'll still send them like, memes and stuff that have you off and they're like why don't you just watch it i was like because i like parks and rec and well, so you can watch that too so my order is my peacock subscription is if i'm working at home in the background is the office until i cycle through all those and then it goes to parks and rec and then it goes to brooklyn 99 and then i've got a i've got a just a rolling background of nbc or mike mike sure content really is what it is. You seem like you'd be a big Ron Swanson fan. I do like Ron. Ron's a good character. I like anything that Mike Sure does. He's done. So he was involved with The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the one called The Good Place. Oh, Erica loved that show. She liked that one a lot. Kristen Bell's really funny in that. But yeah, anything he does, it seems like that's right up my alley because he does does comedy that your kids could be in the room for. 99% 99% of the time, they just won't get it. And there's always some kind of like feel good in it. And I appreciate feel good. I don't even want, I don't watch scary movies. I watch comedies. Like, yeah, I'm the same way. I don't, Lana likes watching like uh, Handmaid's Tale, um, things that are very dramatic and thriller and like I'll watch them if, if we're sitting there together and she's watching it but I would I would never choose to turn them on yeah we're very much a rom-com we need to laugh we don't like yeah anything that's I would say dark but like yeah, we gotta we gotta keep it light yeah absolutely no I'm 100% with you on that one thing I did want to I kind of pick your brain on because it's something that I, I've noticed about you a lot that I respect a lot um is I think it's it's really cool. It seems like you're very purposeful about how you like maybe try new rhythms and routines or you test new things out um, like around like, you know, spending time in the word or maybe like a different way that you're going to like integrate prayer into things. Like, 
Where did that kind of come from? Like, is that just something that desperation, buddy? Okay, I didn't know if it's like going back to a kid. If you were always just like, a, "Hey, let me just try no. out a bunch of stuff and um, see kind of what what uh, what gels." But you know, the last eighteen months, my grandfather, that I was probably him. Him and my dad are were one and one a of the people I was. I've always been closest to. You know, he passed, and then you know, I guess it wasn't even two years later. A couple months, I guess a couple months ago, you know, dad passed. And I've, I've figured out some things within myself that I really struggle with that have become problems that you're just looking at a guy that's really desperate to, I don't know. I don't know if it's as simple as be better, but just, you know, I've been reading this Tozer book in our, uh, our small group, and it talks about, um, I guess it was the point that Erica brought up when we were over here Wednesday, but just to just to be synonymous with, with God, just in, in life, just to have it integrated into your, your day-to-day, thought-to-thought, word-to-word, to where it's, it's just synonymous with mm-hmm. you. Was it, the, was it the imminence of God? Is it like where he's? Yes. He's everywhere. He's everywhere in all things. In all things. Don't he's, have to call him to come. He's, yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's already there. And I think I think that is 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 driven by that. It's just being kind of kind of desperate, to be honest with you. <laughs> just really wanting more more of him in my life. Because I tell you what, I identify so much with that's Romans seven. I think it picks up in verse fourteen, where you know Paul says, essentially the the bad stuff I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And uh, he essentially shares that. You know, after, when we're saved by the grace of Jesus, it's it's no longer us, but our sinful nature inside us that that is doing this, and that's why we're not going to be sent, you know, the fires of hell to live eternity apart from God for all that. So, I you know I identify that in a in a painful way, in a very very strong way, of uh, just some habits that you know I've I've needed to kick. Is is seeing people like Paul kind of admit to feeling that way give you a did it give you a sense of relief it does but you know your problem or the problem is is that you know if you've hurt somebody well there's still worldly consequences to things Mm -hmm. Mm, fair you know that are justified so that's uh that's where i struggle is you know this whole relationship of all right you know i know i'm i'm saved by the grace of jesus I can't do anything to earn it. Never deserved it. He freely gave it, and I've accepted it. But on the other hand, you know, you feel like your world's on fire because, you know, some poor decision making. And uh, I don't know. I just struggle with that. How two things can be true at the same time. Mm. They're both present at the same time, but a lot of times, like whether it be the the joy or the deliverance and stuff, isn't always guaranteed now or. Our, during our time on earth, right? Like it might be, um, you know, we, our relationship with Jesus is like, we have joy and that we get to spend eternal life with him, but the now still hurts and it doesn't feel good. Sure. And it's, and it's well, we it's talked that about that the last time we were at my, at, at our mm-hmm. house was just, you know, when he talks about having joy. I don't think it's necessarily like, Oh joy. I'm having a great yeah, day. In I'm this gleeful. Moment. I think it's, I think it's joy that, 
you know, I'm a sinner and I'm saved and I don't have to spend eternity apart from God for some of these decisions that I've made. And so I, I know one of the, the kind of the, the rhythms that, or the, I don't know if rhythms is the right word, but I think one of the things I thought was cool when you said like you went to a bookstore and bought a bunch of um, the... I probably C- could have got them for free the if I'd CBC, asked someone New Testaments <laughs> and just kind of like sprinkled them through different places. Yeah, um, and it turns out I need another one because I took the one from my truck and put it in my backpack and then, because I was traveling somewhere and I wanted to have it in the hotel room and... Um, yeah, it turns out I need one more, so I can have a backpack Bible, a have truck Bible. Books, here you come. I probably will, a bedside Bible, and I don't. To me, it just I don't like reading the Bible on my phone. I spend enough time on my phone. I mean, it. I don't want to say it cheapens it because that's you can't cheapen it no matter what media you get it through. But I just think there's something about holding the Word in your hand. Mm. And reading it, and plus, I mean, we need to stimulate our brains. We need to read more. So, yeah, but that 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 was that that's been very handy because it what it does is, I don't know about you, but I don't do social media anymore. I mean, I have accounts, but I don't access them. I haven't accessed them, and well, I guess I posted about my my dad's funeral, but other than that, I haven't been on a social media account in like 18 months or so, almost 18 months. And anyways, um, but I'll get on YouTube and watch the shorts section. Oh, yeah. Which is the exact same thing as watching TikToks or Instagram reels. Just A lot of time but disappear really But I fast. get to say that I don't actually watch, do social media. I can just watch it on there. So it's Just do media. Yeah, that's right. So anyways, instead of scrolling on that, when I have free time or those, you know, 30 minutes, you're sitting in bed before you go to sleep. It, if I look over and it's staring at me, then it's a lot easier to put the phone down and pick up the word and give something in you to refresh you. No, I really like that. Cause I think it's super easy for us to just fill time with distraction. I think we're... If you break down your screen time and you think about how much of that was actually fuel for my brain versus just very filler. Little. Very little. So little. And it's almost nauseating to look at your screen time. At least it is for me. I look at it and I'm like, where did, where did that go? Yeah. You realize how much you're like, even like your year is spent staring at this little glowing thing versus like looking up at actual creation. And I'm like the thing that we should be in awe of, you know, because of our, of just obviously we don't need to be in awe of the creation, but of the creator. But like we, we still miss that if we're staring at this little device trying to get a glimpse of other people's worlds versus sure. being present in our own. Well, and it's, you know, it's all toxic. I mean, everybody goes on one vacation. Everyone goes to one nice dinner. But if you follow 600 people, you see 600 vacations That's and you see point. 600 nice dinners. So it makes this appearance that, oh, we don't do anything. No. If you try to keep up with the Joneses, they're broke too. Like, So with like with your Bible being in so many places, do you find yourself like, incorporating like pulling it out and reading it like with the boys like even the car like does that do those kind of routines and rhythms like the boys actually like reading their you know children's i don't know if it's the adventure bible or the one before that but it's a bible for kids who are just learning how to read anyways they actually really like reading that before bedtime that's awesome yeah it is and atlanta does a great job of playing uh praise and worship music in the car 
And so to hear Rhett, he'll just sometimes bust off and, and sing. Uh, anyways, and he'll go through the whole, you know, chorus into the next verse. And it's just like, it's like it's an angel singing. Yeah. It just makes me so happy. I guess I've, I should do more of that because they can understand, or especially Reed can understand more than I give him credit for. So I probably should do more of that because he's sitting on the couch right next to where I'm reading most mm. of the time. Yeah, but I think I think it was Nico LaHood at um, that Rebel Night we went to. Yeah. He said something that was really, like, he said your kids will, like, basically emulate what you do before they ever just listen to what you say. The boys, I'm sure, are noticing, like, you know. Well, that's that was one thing, too. I wanted it to be, I wanted them to see it. I didn't want it to be, like, cheesy, like, you know, oh, look at me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I did want them to see, like, hey, this is how I'm choosing to spend my time. This is what is important. Lana especially does a great job about this. Like, we always try to make going to church, like, a really happy, fun event. You know, like, we're so lucky that we get to go. Mm. Early in life, I remember it being kind of a drag, you know. So Forced to get in the car. Yeah. We're going to have fun today. <laughs> Forced fun. But, yeah, I think that's what, you know, our church does a really good job of, like, it's fun for the kids to go. Like, they, they look forward to it, and I think it keeps it. I think they do the right amount of, of teaching versus just straight-up play. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that if you're talking to a room of adults, you've got about 20 minutes, really. Um, so, you know, if we're, if we're going to send them to kids' church for sometimes it'll be in an hour and a half if you go Saturday night because yeah. it'll go long or whatever, you know, I fully expect that they're just playing for an hour, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you know, you create you know, core memories and familiarity in the church, it's more likely that they'll see it as a place of of happiness mm-hmm. as opposed to the place they never wanted to go. Yeah. And I think it's one of the most fun things or, like, rewarding things. Your kid is, like, say we, like, we can't go one weekend for whatever reason, and they're, like, legitimately disappointed. Cause yeah. I'm like, okay, like, that's... I feel obviously very bad that we're not, we can't go. Maybe somebody's sick or something like that, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's special. They're like, oh man, I love going. It's like, okay, cool. Like, it just really just drives home the importance of making sure you're prioritizing in person attendance, I think. But I think that there's really something special about like being in the building and like being in I think you so know, fellowship too. and community with people. Yeah, because I, I think the community aspect of it and the fellowship aspect of it is, to me, that's just what it is. I mean, you, you can listen to a message on Spotify or wherever. You can read your Bible at home. But to me, that's that's how you pick your church home is just, you know, the community and the fellowship aspect mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and I think kind of ref- going back to your reference about the book that we're reading. So we're currently reading a book by A.W. Tozer. Um, around the uh, characteristics of God attributes. attributes thank you the attributes of God and he's you know he was talking about how kind of like there's two two kinds of faith right there's n- nominal, nominal and real and real and the difference is nominal is kind of like knowledge of the word and it's more of like person has had revelation in terms of like they understand God's word really well but then there's like this next step of illumination which is when you kind of make that step into real faith where like the word is kind of 
come to light, I guess, you know, to go on the illuminate. It illuminates to you like it's, and I think that that's, you can listen to a bunch of sermons and I think that that there could be some aspect of illumination that comes from it. But I think it's kind of like your, once you started going to that church where you, the relationship becomes real and like that was probably a moment of illumination for you. Sure. Where you're just like, oh man, like this is sure. what it really means. Yes, I understood maybe by the book what it meant, but now I feel it and I understand it. And the, sure. the words on the page mean something different. And I think that that kind of comes alive for kids in a different way, having the fun and, you know, it's it's not a sit down and let me just tell you the, all the things that you can't do, you sinner kids. You know, it's, <laughs> there's actually some lightheartedness to it, and they start to understand. Well, they need that too, and I want them to have those relationships with the leaders there that if they don't feel like they can talk to me about something, if they feel like they can talk to someone there. You know, you brought up the book we're reading that, I like it. I've, I've I've read I read the next two chapters yesterday. How deep? Yeah, God's goodness and God's just justness. But it makes you <laughs> made me feel really inadequate in my faith. Just it made me realize how I how improperly I I tried to put God in in some boxes I didn't realize I had. Just his comment about you know God doesn't hang out in space, dude. He is space. Hmm. <laughs> Or that, uh, what was it, the C.S. Lewis depiction of time? With the pencil or the paper? Yeah, thing? yeah, essentially like on an, a one-inch, you know, one-inch uh, line on an infinite, infinitely big sheet of paper, and that's that's our timeline. Um, yeah, I felt very, very small. Now, I, I think when you really realize the, the immenseness, right, and the imminence, all words I've like wasn't really sure what they were going to mean when I started, but, and there was another quote when talking about Abraham, you know, when they said it, it, you know, it didn't say Abraham believed, like believed God or believed in God. It was, no, it was that he didn't believe. Not he didn't just believe he, in some text. He believed in God. God. Yeah. It's, it wasn't the, the what, but the who, and it's a who that is present everywhere. It, it's not this, I, cause I get stuck sometimes thinking like, you know, God in heaven, I sure hope you kind of come down and make your presence felt, you know, like in our in our lives, you know. But please, kind of make a point to come versus realizing his presence is always there, and it's up to me to be more in tune. Just make me smart him. enough to realize it. To realize it, yeah. Because yeah. I always, I'm I'm one of those people who's like, you know, I hear people like, oh, like the pastor says it sometimes. He's like, oh, like God dropped the word in my mailbox. Like, oh, I'm like felt it clear as day. Um, there's very few, like maybe like one or two times in my life I've ever had that sense ever. One of them was to start the podcast. Like that was the, one of the only times I could definitively say I was in service and it was just like clear as day what I wanted, what I needed to do and what I needed to name it. And I needed to do it immediately. So like I'm a slow starter. I don't do things fast. Like I said, I'm super risk averse, but from like idea to first episode was like two weeks because I just like, it's the only time I felt like I got to do this. Other than that, I'm like, I'm the person who like wishes and longs to, to hear or feel or sense. And then I, but I always feel like I got radio silence. And so then I'm like, he's delivered me from like a really bad season two. We had a really, really rough marital patch a couple years ago and he delivered me out of my wonky season. So I, I just always, I'm like, well, he's done it before. So I know he, he can or will potentially do it again. It's like I kind of like have to rest on a past experience where I'm always just like, come on, like 
give me that feeling, give me that nudge. I always then, question whose voice am I hearing? Mm. Am I listening to myself? Am I just telling myself what I want to hear, or am I getting, you know, revelation right yeah. now? That, that's I, tough to discern. Yeah, it really is, and that's something I pray for a lot is that discernment. I'm, I'm hoping that when I feel at peace is when I'm actually hearing him, and when I feel like hurried and panicky and anxious as I can I can be, that that is not. So I'm trying to do that now anyways. And one of the things in the Tozer book that I picked up is he's talking about how God is, like he either is something or he isn't, and he's all one thing. Yeah, he's not 99%. But humans are, you know, we have different parts. We have our, our body and our soul and our spirit. I think, I think that's how I've explained that to myself is, yeah, God can always forgive you because if he says he has, like he can't, he can't do 99 and one, he's got to do a hundred. Mm-hmm. And when he sent Jesus for our atonement, like that, that was it. Whereas human, we have all these different pieces and we can be conflicted and, you know, we just can't have the same expectations for, for people that we do God. Yeah. I, I love how it, it kind of laid out. It's like, there was no... It wasn't a struggle. It wasn't a difficult decision. Yeah, it was a. I loved hearing that. Clear, it was a clear as day decision for God to, you know, send Jesus for Him to do what He did to forgive us. It wasn't like a, a moral dilemma, right? And I, I think it like the fact that He kept saying, "If He's ninety nine percent of anything, then He's not like big G God, right? Yeah. Like that He has to be a hundred percent everything." Otherwise, it's he's not who, you know. We we all think he is, um, and thankfully he is. Yeah, I think a lot. It's I kept finding myself being both humbled but relieved reading the book. It was like I felt I humbled by like man, I'm small, like man, like I'm such a tiny piece of all this, but also like man, I'm in like absolute like awe of like of it at the same time, and you know, it was it was it's a really weird dichotomy because. Also, a big reminder, like, I have so much, like, any, anytime I, I think I'm, like, making good progress, like, sometimes you need a good good reminder. I think there's so much more you can do and learn and know. I think that the, there's a verse in Matthew. It's like, you know, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, that resonates with me so much because I have, I've historically had a tendency to probably exalt myself more than I should. Uh, and be in pursuit of things that would exalt me. Like, look at my job title. Look how good I'm doing. All these kind of things. And I've gotten royally humbled the last couple of years. Um, my like, my career looks like a roller coaster. Um, and I needed it. I'm glad it does. But yeah, that's, that's as I read it, I'm like, oh, but man, you're awesome. Oh, man. But whoa, you're awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. I, uh... I'm generally very, very hard on myself, and that's where just the gift of, of friendship and, and fellowship and just having brothers in Christ comes in because I, I generally need people to, to tell me sometimes, like, hey, look, you can do more, but when I first met you, you were here, mm. and now you're here. Yeah. You know, there's you're inching along like a caterpillar, but you're still, you know, you're moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not standing still, and I think it's that you have the... Like there's conviction when you you know you have done wrong. I mean, I think that's a super important sign as a Christian. I've had some people say that's that's when you can tell, or one of the ways you can tell that you have the Spirit living within you is when mm-hmm. that conviction kicks in. Yeah, maybe a religious people call it your conscience, but 
Yeah, it's, I think it's that Holy Spirit nudge, like, hey, like, let me check you on that one. You know, you know better. Let's write the ship. No, I think you're exactly right. Where I, where I struggle with that is, you know, God gave us free will to have some small piece of agency over our lives. And it's like, why did you give me free will to do all this stupid crap? Like, and knowing I would do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that is an interesting, the free that's will. That's a rabbit hole in itself. It is, yeah. That we could, could sit here a while and talk about free that. Free will, predestination, all, all that. Yeah, it's like you gave me free will to mess up my life royally. Thanks. But I think he does it because he also knows that he can redeem it and he can show that to the world and be to his glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was Pete uh, Hickson in my last episode that you know, he really believes that we have like a, a very purposefully God designed hole within like in us that uh, so often we try to fill with every single thing that we think will fill it just to learn that nothing will. And so I think our free will a lot of times is trying to fill the hole. It's like, yeah. And so it's like, Oh, like that's a good way of thinking. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, you know, you're welcome to go try to, you know, see if fame or fortune or, you name it, works, and then you're going to find out that it does not and that I'm the only one who can yeah, feel it. Yeah, it's kind of like when Rhett want, wants to go kick the fire ant bed. It's finally like, okay, go kick the fire ant bed, big dog. Yeah. <laughs> see, how, see, sa- see how that works out for seems you, Seems fun on the surface, right? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting to look at because I, I struggle with that. It's like you've got this plan for us, yet I somehow have like some autonomy in it. Like I don't know. It's like a constant struggle. It's a mental hurdle that I, I go around and around on sometimes. One of my buddies described, I think he's maybe more in the, he's a kind of like a hardcore Calvinist, but he's like, the way that they typically view it is like um, you're on an airplane. Your airplane's flying to a predetermined destination, but you're free to move about the cabin. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of interesting. So, there's a lot of different... Um, that is interesting. Like, you have free will to move amongst the cabin, but the plane's going to... Yeah. Somewhere, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, got me thinking. Well, I think I'm typically more not full on that that camp, but it was a pretty interesting example to use. So, when you accept Christ, is that what gets you on the plane? Is yeah, that the I ticket? Get, I, get, I don't know. That would kind of make sense. Yeah, because I mean, because like, you it, can't lose your salvation. So once you're on the plane, you're on the plane. Yeah, because like I think that they typically believe like. But if you yelling out fake bomb threats. <laughs> Your ride just might be different, yeah, than, than, than someone else's. Yeah, these are all like the the threads in a rabbit hole. Like I think people can have these kind of like debates down in the minutia, like what they believe. It's like, but it all still boils down to like something so simple, right? Yeah, like, they don't matter. Yeah, the day. I think to, like to, I think even Tozer says it too. It's like, like none of this stuff is worth arguing about. It's like translations and stuff. In yeah, the Bible, yeah. Uh, you know, that's another thing that I, I've done as far as, like, putting those Bibles all around the house. There's at least three or four different translations. Hmm. Like, I'm reading in Mark right now, so I might reread it through two or three times in a NIV, ESV, NLT. To me, that that's actually helpful, especially if you read Paul's stuff. Paul's stuff, to me, is really helpful to read in a couple different translations hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah, I was like, I guess sometimes like, you know, if someone says something to you and you're like, can you say it a different way? And then they're like, maybe reword their sentence and you're like, got it. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just kind of you know having the same the a person tell you the same thing a, a couple different ways, and finally one of them is what no, resonates the most. It. I think that's it. That's super helpful. I mean, I've always just kind of stuck to one. I think it's the NIV, but I'm too intimidated by like the KJV and stuff like that. So my, so when my my dad started going to church with me and started going down that path, uh, my senior high school, I I bought him a Bible. And it was really, you know, nice leather engraved. And I didn't even pay attention to it, didn't know to pay attention to it, but it was a, you know, New King James. And so as he started really trying to get into the word, he was like, hey, son, hold this near and dear to my heart. But I gotta, I gotta get something different. I cannot understand this. So yeah, I think, in fact, I, I know one other person, someone that I work with that was talking about like how they've, never really gotten into the word before and, I, and that, that was the only bible they had was a new king james and i was like man go go get like the message or something just start reading a lot of people are intimidated by reading the bible i didn't realize mm-hmm. that but a lot of people are yeah i think it's like a not knowing where to start right? yeah you just pick it up and open the page because i think a lot of people also think that the, it's all like chronologically like written like, yeah and it's not no. I think you can buy one that's set up that way. Though. Yeah, I think that there's like different reading plans in the front of mine that says like if you want to read it all chronologically, this is the order in which you go. Sure. But not knowing like you know, and like the Book of Acts is like the the linking book, right? Like so, if you just were to read from Romans on, you're probably like, what is he talking? Who, who? First of all, who's Paul? What's he talking about? I have no idea. But if you read, you know, just the Gospels, like that's probably where the best place to start. You know, go sure. read Matthew, start Matthew, something like that. But, like, Acts is, like, the bridge book, which actually, like, links them all together. But, like, if you didn't know that, you might just go, like, open up Philippians and be like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to close this. And so, yeah, I think a lot of it is just when you're starting to interact with people who are new to faith, like, breaking down that intimidation and making it more um, accessible and relatable and not, like, I can't believe you. Like, don't know where to start. Like, it's like, I, I don't think I'd really... I'd never read a Bible until Eric and I started dating. Like, I prayed, and, like, I believed in God, but, like, I couldn't tell you, like, anything of value. I had value. to read the book of Luke in sixth grade to be confirmed into the Methodist Church. Just the book of Luke? Just the book of Luke. Interesting. That was it. Hmm. That was our And I barely, barely, barely did that. Yeah, like, we, we Easter, Christmas, Catholics, kind of thing growing up, um, so yeah, I, I I didn't have a first, my first Bible study until I, well, Eric and I started going to church because she was like, hey, if we're going to date, it's important that the person that I'm with, you know, that this is an important part of their life. And so I was like, I've always wanted to go, but I was always too scared to go because I didn't feel like I knew enough. I didn't have a, anybody to make it not intimidating to go with. I wasn't about to go by myself. Um no way, right? I have uh, a ton of respect for the for the man or woman who just walks into church by themselves. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Hard. It's very yeah. It takes a lot. It's hard. And I wasn't willing to do it, and so and then it was once I started going, it took me a long time to like. I mean, I have the date that I got this. Like, let me, I, I, let me I, ask you this about reading the word. If if you sin, for me, I'll leave the word alone for a couple of days. Like I mm. I won't there'll be some block, like there'll be some mental block. Like I don't want to pick it up. Like almost like I'm like, I'm just ashamed of myself. Like I'm not worthy to pick this up yeah. or, and I won't pray. I won't, I'll stop praying. I'll, I'll do the exact opposite of what I need to be doing in that moment. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword. Like it's the in times that I'm out of a good routine of reading and praying are the times I'm most likely trip up, and then in tripping up, it perpetuates. And it perpetuates itself because then I'm like either feel ashamed or whatever it may be to like to be you know to repent to be kind of getting back in it but it so it's it's tough because it's like yeah it perpetuates on itself so then you don't get back in the word then you kind of feel yourself more susceptible to the same thing you know and whether it's like for me a lot of times it's like anger like i i struggle with anger a lot like crock pot like i always like i'm just simmering at all times just like everybody watch out like matt's just always in a, in a mood yeah you, you described yourself as, as, as the moodiest i am incredibly moody yeah well, I'm um, glad you saved your good mood for us on Wednesdays. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I try. Yeah, I've had a coworker once be like, hey, Matt, everybody knows when you're having good days, and everybody knows when you're having bad days. I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. I try to make that positive, but I, I have seasons where, like, and the season may be a week or two, where it's just I cannot, I mean, get myself out of a funk. It makes me not want to work out. It makes me want to not read makes me eat like crap because that's also another thing like i eat my feelings i eat my feelings. like happy ice cream sad ice cream you know i gained 30 pounds in dad's ordeal i think a lot of, i mean not to just be like oh us eating our feelings is you know, sin i mean in a sense it is right gluttony is no not exactly i don't know i'm i don't know if that you're mistreating you're, you're mistreating the temple of the holy spirit i guess but just because it's not something that's uh, maybe a sin that has the same feeling of magnitude as another, getting mad and sinning in anger is is a, an you equal footing. somebody in your heart. Is, yeah, is an equal footing, right? And so, like, in those cases, like, for me, I, I, I should be immediately in prayer, in the Word, reconciling with the person that I, you know, maybe lashed out at. But instead, a lot of times, I'll just be like, and they just bottle that up. I don't, the feeling will go away, you know. It'll, it'll, and then it doesn't, and then it, again, it just gets into the perpetual cycle. And so, yeah, long-winded way to answer your question, um, but yeah, no, I feel very similarly. Like I feel like unworthy to open my Bible, or just so heavily convicted that I'm like, let me go run away and hide, hide from the God that's everywhere and anywhere and all, but you know, yeah. there. So it's. He's not good to play hide-and-seek with. No, he's like the ultimate hide-and-seek champ. So we can wrap this up with, with this kind of question. It's kind of maybe a heavy question, but... Um, so you mentioned, you know, you know, the last maybe 18 to 24 months has been tough. So what's maybe the one thing that you think God is teaching you the most in the season? I, I think he's trying to teach me not to live in so much fear all the time. To trust. Trust me. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of yeah I'll, I'll psych myself out and just into paralysis you know i'll make assumptions for people if uh if i had done something that was wrong by you i might create this crazy scenario in my head about how mad you're going to be about it before mm-hmm. i even talk to you about it or even really know how mad you're going to be about it and so i'll, I'll just never talk to you about it because mm-hmm. i just have this premonition that oh man matt's matt's really going to blow his top if you know we ever talk about that so i'm just gonna hope it goes away but just living life in that in that fear and just but but instead just trusting god and and knowing that i am gonna fall down but i can get back up and dust myself off and you know and and sometimes there's there's gonna be consequences for that and that's fine too you can take them and 
still have joy in the fact that you're not gonna not gonna go to hell and live apart from God for all eternity. I don't know. Just just don't be scared. Just live. You're gonna make mistakes. Just deal with them as they come. Hmm. And also just making sure that as much as I love my dad or as much as I love my grandfather, it needs to be God plus those relationships. It doesn't need to be those relationships plus God, hmm. which I'm probably guilty of that. Probably guilty of that. So I think those things are just really starting to have that real faith where you realize how big God is. You realize how it's just really timely that we're reading this book we're reading. It's been really inspiring to me. Truly framing God for who he really is. Using that as your fuel to live a life of boldness. As you know, we're we're called to be free, bold men of of God, right? We're not called to be timid. To have that correct perception of the one we're worshiping, and and use that to fuel, so to speak, my day to day life. I love that. Those are the exact kind of nuggets of wisdom that I expected to be <laughs> dropping. Uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm really sorry. I, that I disappointed you so much earlier with the office stuff, but I'm glad that you really just kind of just rallied for me there and just kept bringing, bringing the wisdom. Uh, Please leave that in because there's oh, 100%. Like 99% That's, of your audience is going to be like uh, Matt. Rip. I might lose 99% of my audience <laughs> because of that. Um, or I might just have some loyal Parks and Rec holdouts that are, but, but anyway. But it doesn't dude, have to be a zero-sum conversation, Matt. It's true. You can have both. You can have both. You can have both. Um but good stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you sharing your story, your journey. Um, really enjoy this. Uh, I love the the mix of fun, laughter, but also just get to talk about some good, uh, serious stuff at the same time. So appreciate you very much. Loving the friendship that we're developing and uh, look forward to the people that are going to be blessed by this conversation. Me too, man. Thanks a lot. Good stuff, man. If you enjoyed this episode of the Faith Forged Fathers podcast, please leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Subscribe to the podcast and also head on over to Instagram and follow at Faith Forged Fathers. Thanks again for listening.